Please, have a seat, sister. Mr. Goethe will be right with you. Can I get you anything while you wait? Tea? Coffee? All of our blood and other vital fluids are humanely collected from willing participants. No, thank you. I'm trying to cut back on my black bile. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. If there's anything you need, I'm just outside. Mm. Ah, Sister Lisbeth. How good of you to join me. I apologize that we have not had the opportunity to acquaint ourselves. I am Johann Gatter, spokesman for Vorata. Oh, you would introduce myself, but something tells me you know more about me than I do. Your reputation precedes you, after all. Hopefully all good things. I understand you're the devil. Ha! A devil, to be sure. I don't believe I've earned the definite article. Oh, but you'd like to. My, my. The clergy are a perceptive lot. It doesn't take a priest to know the devils are rarely content with their station. <laughs> Indeed. And yet I suspect our purposes are aligned better far than our moralities. How so? You both have a vested interest in your former patient. <sighs> Yavos. Rest assured, my motives are pure. Pure evil, perhaps? Word games are beneath us both, Mr. Garta. Ha <laughs> ha! Clever. But no. If anything, my intentions are neutral. True neutral, in fact. You slide between the open pages of the giant storybook, drifting from the gray realm of dreams and memories and into the realm of imagination that gives the world of sleep color, inspiration, and life. You slide along the vast sheets of parchment, back and forth between giant words you can't make out, increasing in speed as you move. You feel yourself changing, a vague, monochromatic uncertainty peeling off of you, Vibrant colors flood back in. The walls seem to close in tighter, pressing you, reshaping you. It feels like you're being crushed, but there is no agony, no breaking. Simply a melding, like clay. You land with a soft thud on the vast canvas of a page. You are all together, but you're different now. You look to each other, but don't see the hardened heroes of the fallow crown. You see soft, colorful lines, large, sparkling eyes, adorable curving shapes forming simplistic outlines of who you were. You are drawings in a children's book, two-dimensional. Laying flat on the page feels like standing upright, and a huge set of words hovers overhead. The great heroes set out on a quest to save their friend who was in danger. As you venture to the next page, it reads, They traveled in a strange world, over mountains. There's a lovely image of a cartoon mountain, similar to the ones you stepped over in your dream state. Through dark forests. A charming but sinister illustration of the black wood. And even the world of nightmares, spoken by a weeping skull on a field of black and red. As you travel to the next page, new words appear, 
and a voice echoes out, almost as though someone is reading the book and speaking to the characters. I think it's about to get dangerous, but I'm here with you. Just remember, they're only words. Words have power, but we can control them. The next page reads in giant floating letters, but they were watched. The creatures of this domain hated them. The heroes were ambushed. The path they traveled became a battlefield. The noble quest had provoked their ire. I'm going to pause for a second while I describe some things. The daughter's linguistic manipulation. The party has ten language points to use in the storybook world. These points can be used to manipulate the battle using clever tricks of language. The DM decides how the effects will play out. For two points, you can add, remove, or replace a single letter from one of your spells or class abilities to change how it works. Example, Firebolt could become Wirebolt, entangling the foe in thin wires. Rage could become Sage, making you extremely wise and learned, empowering spells instead of melee. Bless could become Less. Maybe one of your foes loses something important or just wanders off. For one point, you can trigger a homophone or homograph to manipulate one of your action, spells, abilities, etc. Healing Word could become Healing Word, making a foe stop in their tracks. Fireball could become Fireball, making enemies cry as they burn. You could summon a swarm of bats and have a bunch of wooden cudgels appear. And for two points, you can change the outcome of an action or part of the conflict by replacing a word with a rhyme using that word. Using a rhyme with the same syllable structure is the goal. For example, the goblin hits you with a dart. Actually, the goblin hit me with a tart. The knight approaches you wearing full plate armor. His full plate armor becomes wool plate armor. <laughs> I love it. Four strange creatures step out from behind the giant letters as though they're able to pass through them as doorways. Large cartoonish skulls rest atop robed figures in bright colors. Two of them carry oversized scissors. The other two carry oversized quill pens. And crawling out from the crack between the pages are strange beast-like creatures with green fur. They have tiny arms and legs and large rodent-like heads with crooked teeth. But it's their long swaying tails that end with a menacing taloned claw that is the most threatening. As the enemies appear and close in, we're going to roll initiative. The initiative begins with the enemy. Very good. First of all, two of the small skull figures that are carrying quills, who are known as the script keepers, are going to take their action. One of them is going to hobble his way up towards Cartoon Penny. He licks the tip of his quill pen and then stabs you with it. Ow! <laughs> Yeah, see, I'd stab and then lick, but, you know. Mm, depends on what you're into. Does an 11 hit? It does not. And how can you stab someone so cute? <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, he is going to use his ability to trigger his rewrite action. So he is going to target someone. He's already face-to-face -face with Penny, so he's just going to pick you. And he's going to roll to see what kind of new rule you have to follow as he writes it into existence. Oh, I don't <laughs> like this. He reveals on his belt several different colored vials of ink, one of which is bright yellow. And as he dips the pen in, he waves it over you and you become highlighted. Uh, you now have disadvantage on saving throws for the turn and all attacks against you are at advantage. <sighs> yellow used to be my favorite color, but between this and the last one. The other script keeper is going to move forward 
hiding behind the long-tailed bestial creatures, and he's going to use rewrite on Wuxia. <gasps> Pacifist. The word appears. <laughs> For one turn, you cannot deal any damage. <laughs> oh, I love these guys. The two script keepers that are carrying oversized pairs of shears seem to move away from you, standing on top of the text, as though it will protect them. But then you are swarmed as a group by these bestial creatures. And when they get close to you, instead of fighting on all fours, they lean back and become erect, leaning on their long tails. These are called the tall tails. Oh, got em. Each of you will be attacked once, save for Wuxia, who has two on him. They seem to be aware of the uh, rule that you must be following, and they're putting themselves in the safest place they can. So we got a tail strike coming in at Halifon. Okay. That is a 16. Are we assumed to be armed and armored, etc.? Yep. Okay. 16 hits me. Oh, sweet. I love that for me. <laughs> you take nine points of slashing damage. Ow. As the massive claw at the end of its tail sweeps out. Don't. Uh, Gaspar, it is a 16 also coming at you. That is going to miss. All right. You crouch low as this razor-sharp claw swoops where your head should have been. The one coming in at pen rolls a 22. It's hit. You are slashed for 10 points of slashing damage. And last but not least, the two that attack Wuxia together. Two tails, one mind. Uh, you're looking at a 21 and a 16. Uh, 21 will hit. Nine points of slashing damage. Ow. You have been stricken. And that is the end of the enemy's turn. Rude. That brings us to Hal. Very good. Because we're in the Axis, Hal has the chivalric edge. So I will use that to strike one of the tall tails. Okay. Yeah. I think we're going to save my linguistic manipulation for another time. Uh, as a bonus action, I will rage before I attack. And... I will not attack recklessly. 24. Oh, yeah. Down. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get wrecked. Plop. Two. Do I get to? No, I have to use it two-handed to re-roll it. So six points of slashing damage plus an additional two from raging. All right. You slash out, and as your blade penetrates its fur, you can see a spray of red come out. The closer you look, you see it's not a liquid. It is thousands of tiny words that say blood. <laughs> that brings us to Gaspar. Gaspar points a finger to one of the tall tales that struck Wuxia. That was a good beginning, but the end of your story will be disappointing. I'm going to cast Hex on it. It has been hexed. I'm going to target its constitution. Con, eh? All right. I like it. And then slash, uh, poise at it as a saber. Yeah, you are adjacent. That is a 14 to hit. That misses. As you swing your paper blade out, it catches it between the talons of its mighty clawed tail. That makes it Wuxia's turn. The Wuxiest. Wuxia looks almost offended at what Gaspar just did, reaching a hand out and being like, No, no, look at how soft they are. I'm going to use two points of the linguistic manipulation to turn shape water into shape matter and turn its outsides into felt. Well, spelling is not Wuxia's strong suit. Realizing quickly 
that matter has a second T in it. But when you touch the creature, you expect it to fold inside out and turn into felt. Instead, it becomes <laughs> glistening and red and juicy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and a very large sweet cherry tomato balancing on a long dangerous stem is now in front of you. Woosha, that's shape mater. <laughs> Still soft. Shape them maters. That's that's my turn. And that makes it Benny's turn. I wonder if I can make the rest of the things we need for a caprese salad. Mm. Oh, I've got to concentrate. I am going to make a sword strike at the one in front of me that just stabbed me. The script keeper? Yes. That is a 19. 19 hits the script keeper. He looks pretty unarmored because he's just wearing colorful robes, but your blade does strike a magical energy, perhaps some kind of mage's armor. Seven points... Um, stabbing, what's it called? Seven points piercing damage. Good old stabbing damage. <laughs> Tried and true. It looks indignant at the pain. Just how could you washes over its scully face. Its cartoon features exaggerated. John nearly dropping to the ground. I don't like this. What's the next closest one to me? Uh, there's one basically right behind you that is a tall tail. Yeah, I will use my second attack from Thirsting Blade to stab the tall tail. Very good. 21? Yes, indeed. 13 points piercing. Yikes. While it is a menacing foe, it is indeed a small rodent when you really get down to it. That hurt it a lot. It's still aggressive and moving, but uh, it's bleeding out its letters and words. That brings us back to the top of the initiative with the enemy. So all of the tall tales are going to continue striking the members of the fallow crown that they are already targeting because they, they feel like they have a good thing going on here. <laughs> I wouldn't want to upset the apple cart. Against Penny is a miss, most certainly. Against Halifon is a 21. 21 will hit me. I realized that I have my shield out, so my AC is 17, but I'll just take the damage from last time for being dumb. That's okay. It was It's a two-dimensional shield. It was hard to figure out. Yeah, there you go. On. Uh, you take eight points of slashing damage. Okay. Now that I'm raging, I have that. Now, one of the ones adjacent to you is attacking Gaspar. I will use my reaction from Sentinel to attack them. Okay. They'll make their attack regardless. Yes. That's a miss on Gaspar, for sure. Sub 10. Only a 12 to hit. They are too agile. But. Too quick. Uh, a regular tall tale will also be attacking Wusha as it was, which also misses. The rolls are really turning around now. <laughs> and then you get impacted from behind by a large wet tomato, <laughs> swung like a mace from a viney tail. <laughs> no, it swung like a tomato. Mace is a different plant. Well, well it hit, but it's not going to deal much damage because it is, in fact, a tomato, be it large. <laughs> so three points of bludgeoning damage. And one point of acid damage from its fresh, stingy juice entering your claw wounds. So good. It is also slightly ruptured, and there are now seeds pouring out of it. <laughs> it's not meant for combat. The script keeper who is on the opposite page is going to run over to his friend with a pair of shears, and they're going to look down at the word ire, smiling at each other. 
The one with shears reaches down and cuts the word off of the page as the quill holder writes the letter F on it. And from that point, the piece of paper ignites into flame and shoots out three flaming bolts towards the party. It's going to go at the three closest, so that's going to be Wuxia, Gaspar, and Halifon. Okay. Wuxia, 25. But Gaspar, 14 is a miss. And Halifon, 14 is a miss. It is. Lucky, lucky Woosh. I'll take it. Uh, no, that's not great. Uh, six points of fire damage. And the tomato juice is cooked away. <laughs> the smell of marinara starts to fill the air. <laughs> <laughs> All this fish and tomato, I'm a Chipino baby. <laughs> to be fair, marinara literally comes from the word marine, so. Perfect. The script keeper that is going toe-to-toe with Pentecost is going to give a rule to Halifon. Oh. A 10, the word foe appears in the air. You must spend your turn helping your enemies and trying to harm your allies. <laughs> so the fallow crown are your foe for the next turn. Okay. And then he's going to stab his quill into this adorable cartoon deer. Uh, we're in the battle axis, so I'm not going to bother with fumble charts. But um, for the time being, he is unable to use his quill to write new rules because it has snapped on Penny's Evdemonian armor. <laughs> And the last one is simply going to run up with his pair of shears and attempt to snip Gaspar's arm to match his head. Hmm. How considerate. A dog shit roll. <laughs> From Dungeon Master Law. Thank you. To everyone's shock and surprise. <laughs> That's the end of the enemy's turn. And that makes it Hal's turn. Okay. And at the beginning of your turns, any rule you had from the previous turn is then gone. So at the beginning of Usha's turn, you're no longer a pacifist. Sweet. Question. Can I use linguistic manipulation on the rule affecting me? Depends on how you sell it. Give, t- give, me, the, give me the pitch. Okay. Hal's going to glance up at the rule above his head and just using his barbaric might, grab the E and bend it into a new letter. It now says G for a, a word fog, and Hal turns into mist. Hmm. As the word is changed into fog, Hal becomes incorporeal. You are made of cloud matter. Okay. You can move with a 60-foot speed, and no physical attacks are going to be able to hurt you, although you are still vulnerable to elemental attacks. Okay. Intangible now, as a result of this rule, Hal is going to slip away from where he was located, surrounded by Tall Tales and the party, and drift over to the two script keepers who have been working in tandem to mess with us, positioning myself on the opposite side of them as the rest of the party so that if they flee from me, they only can run towards the group. All right. As you try to whoosh away, the tall tails do swipe out at you, but their claws pass meaninglessly through the foggy body. That makes it Gaspar's turn. Respecting how deft and nimble these tall tails are, Gaspar is going to draw rationality as well and go for a scissor cut on this Paper 2D foe. Mm-hmm. The first attack. Glad I did it. Uh, that is a 13 to hit. That is a miss. So with a bonus action, I'm going to complete the scissor cut. Wow. That is a 15 to hit. That just hits. Gorb. Uh, so that is going to give me sneak attack because of Wusha who is no longer a pacifist, if I'm... He would if they didn't know he was a pacifist. 
Okay. They can see the words hovering over his head knowing he's no longer a threat. All of my hopes and dreams are being crushed. That is seven points of damage. And that's to the one you've hexed, yes? Yes. One of that is necrotic. Perfect. You leave a nasty gash across the torso of the tall tail. It sways back and forth trying to keep its balance. And that makes it Wuxia's turn. Wuxia, just returning back to his regular fighty self, will glare out at one of the tall tails nearby him, Mm -hmm. the one that has already been stabbed by Gaspar. Ring-tailed little bastard! I'm going to move my kick axe back and deliver him a blow oh, with the power foot. Boy, I'm Let's waiting go. for those kick axe. Mm, and I get two attacks with this. That's a 15 versus AC. That's the one. All right. It's going to do D8 piercing and D8 fire. These are made of paper and technically constructs. Mm. The pickaxe is designed to deal 2D8 extra to constructs. You are absolutely correct. That is going to be 15 physical damage and four fire damage for a total of 19. Wow. Okay. So you kick right into the base of its tail and meet very little resistance. And as the pickaxe keeps going higher and higher, you didn't know you could get your leg this high (laughs) as you split it in twain. (laughs) Your leg. Yes. (laughs) Yourself, your pants. (laughs) Oh, my poop neck. Much like your crotch, this thing has been ripped and opened. <laughs> you just start every like new jeans purchase by tearing the crotch ahead of time just to save yourself the discomfort. Get it out of the way. <laughs> we all know what's going to happen. I am very quickly and with a big smile on my face going to turn my attention to the script keeper mm-hmm. and bring the guillotine foot down. Oh, nice. Mm. You do the big up kick, the pivot, and then the, the guillotine. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Axeman's leg. (laughs) (laughs) That is going to be a 19 total. That bypasses their scripty mage armor. Ooh. Does this also count as a construct? They are all considered constructs. Fan-fucking-tastic. That is not as much as last time, but that's okay. 11 physical damage and 3 fire damage for a total of 14 damage. Very, very good. Uh, You rip a large chunk of his shoulder just clean off like a shorn sheet of paper. His arm still moves, but it almost seems to be drifting independent of his torso. In a loud thumping burst of cinders, when I bring my foot down, I'm going to turn toward my tomato friend and say, never change. (laughs) (laughs) That's my turn. You're next, Juicy. (laughs) (laughs) That's Pentecost's turn. Penn's lips have been moving this entire time as if she, she's trying to think of words and kind of beating herself up about it. And then she finally holds up a finger in her aha moment, realizing that her companions are still surrounded by these tall tales. She casts a spell, changing a single letter. Vampiric touch becomes vampiric couch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh what? my god. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's Portland. It's vampire cooch. I, I have a couch miniature. I should have I have a couch miniature made of my own couch. I should have yeah. brought. Only I could have predicted this exact scenario. <laughs> I thought you were going to say vampiric tough and give somebody like vampiric strength, but all right. <laughs> Ripping from the canvas of the battlefield. <laughs> 
comes a Davenport from hell. <laughs> a hate seat, if you will. The cushions rise high, revealing two jagged wooden fangs, which come piercing down on top of the script keeper in front of you. So the cushions come down and two little bony feet are sticking out of the cushions as you hear the sucking sound of script being slurped into cushions. And the vampiric couch simply shakes itself back and forth, going into a kind of furniture death roll. That brings us back to the enemy. The frenemies. All right. The two script keepers that Hal is floating near in a harmless, cloudy state turn and run to the text on the page you are on. And the two of them stand over the word ambushed. And the pair of shears cut quickly the AM off of the word. I need all of you to roll me a constitution saving throw. <laughs> Do I need to as a cloud? Yes. Okay. You are still subject to having stats. Ooh. <sighs> Go around the table. Let's hear them. Six. Fourteen. Fucking 21, baby. Sixteen. All right. Sixteen and twenty-one are going to pass the DC as the rest of you gain a level of exhaustion. Okay. You are now tired. You haven't slept in days. Weariness sets into every joint. And the one is going to continue. Oh, no. The one that's being eaten by a couch <laughs> is going to weakly attempt to break free from its bite. Actually, it breaks free. I rolled a 19 on the die. So there's a struggling and the snapping of fabrics as it lifts its little hands up and gets blorped out. But that's its entire turn is getting out of the gaping maw of the hate seat. I'm so fucking surprised. Yeah, it's not very strong, but that was a good strength check. And the last one is just going to use his prune reality on Gaspar. He's going to make a snipping motion towards you, and somewhere in another world on your character sheet, the word rogue is cut down to goo. And you become <laughs> covered in slime for the turn. You are now restrained. Head to toe, viscous blue gush now covers you. As for the tall tales, we're going to have one tomato strike against Wuxia, that's a hit from the tomato. <laughs> I got a 24 with this fucking <laughs> salad weapon. Uh, that is three points of bludgeoning damage. Thanks throwing nightshade. It is throwing the nightshade. Thank you for that. Doing any acid damage too? Yes. One point of acid damage. My friend, no. We're going to get a tall tale against Gaspar, who has advantage because you are restrained. Yep. A crit. Oh no. There it is. There it is. Uh, 16 slashing damage. Okay. Now, I'm restrained. Mm -hmm. I'm bushed. You're bushed. I'm tired. Restrained, yeah. It'd be real nice if, you know, while I was tied down and tired, I'd have somewhere to rest. So, I'm going to use my reaction and this linguistic manipulation to do uncanny lodge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Good, now there's some place where the couch can live. So, you negate the damage coming in at you. <laughs> the goo is gone, but you are inside of a very small log cabin, just big enough for you to be housed within. A little bit of smoke comes out of the chimney. There's a tiny bear rug that just barely takes up the five by five square you stand in, and it's quite warm and comfortable. You hear the raking of claws outside the window. <laughs> I'm in my own tiny little cabin in the woods. <laughs> and 
honestly, the only thing that they had to do was cut ambush. So actually the script keeper who is part of the duo on the opposite page still has the ability to use their rule writing. So they're going to give a rule to how, while you are still a ghost, you can be affected by rules. Two is a skill switch. I'm going to roll a D six, three, every, Ability check you attempt to do on the next turn is going to be constitution-based. Okay. <laughs> you can make any kind of attack, but you'll be rolling using your constitution. Okay. All right. As the word skill switch appears over your head. Okay. These strange storybook villains show no mercy and fight with all they have to keep you from reaching your goal. And with each action, the story moves forward. With each success and failure, the tale is woven and heads towards its end. That is when the earth begins to shake. For as the tale moves, so does the book. And once again, the page must turn. The plot thickens as the fellow crown proves sword mightier than pen against the script keepers of Ayavos Isadora's nightmarish story. Oh man, I gotta get me a vampire couch for my new mega pad. I mean, if getting sucked in by a comfy love seat is good, imagine getting sucked in. In other news, Metal and Mana is on the verge of collapse. With only two members and no viable ringer candidates, the team is fast approaching the date of dissolution. If this happens, Talia Al Saline and Splish will be moved to the ring unless they can find another hero ranked team to take them in. On top of that, Sova Stala of Raptor's Lament has just put in for leave with no defined return date, and the Wild Company seems completely unable to fill their fourth champion rank slot. Jeez, Rusty. Way to drop a grump on everyone. I'm just reporting the news, Dirk. I don't get to decide what does and doesn't make it into the broadcast. There's gotta be something good in here. Oh, oh, there you go. Uh, uh, Waffle the Warforge tests positive. There you go. Tin Man passes test. Yes, after his recent journey with the gutter snipes to the junk wastes of Upsilon Zedot, Waffle the Warforge line cook tests positive for nickel rot. All right. Uh, what about this one? Duncan D. Sordily still partying. Okay, after eight days of non-stop revelry, the best Western suite belonging to Duncan Disordali has been raided by the Zenithal Guard. The motley masquerade frontman was found to be under the influence of plural intoxicants and is compelled to party for all eternity. Aura clerics are not confident the curse can be removed. Duncan's last words before being put into a medically induced coma were, Yeah, baby, load me up. I don't know what's in that bag, but it'll be a damn sight better than Beardweiser. Fine, I get it. No one's happy. Everything's a fart. Let's get back to the fellow crown trying to rescue their lost grandpa. Hmm. Oh. Oh, well, what's this? Lost puppy finds magical puppy palace, lives in Biscuit Bungalow, has five best friends. I'm not five. A Biscuit Bungalow is a depreciating asset. He's going to eat himself out of house and home. Did I say Biscuit Bungalow? I meant Marrow Mansion, built from dragon bones. I appreciate your effort, Rustmaster. And even imaginary puppies need good homes. All this from Mr. I-don't-get-to-choose-what-goes-into-the-broadcast. What a nerd. Old Warren, fake puppy in the bonehouse, Rustboro. Consider this kind gesture my new weapon in your heart space. I found the seam, Rusty. I'm going to grind against it until I bust my way in. I'm coming for you, you silly little guy. Good lords. 
we're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, that was a long day in the iron mines, me boyos. Aye, I'm eager to get home to me hovel and kiss me for all on the cheek. Uh, maybe before we go home to the missus, we stop by the tavern for a quick point after a long day. Hmm, not a bad idea. I have a mighty thirst. Why go down to the pub when you can have refreshing cold beer wherever you go? What the hell's... Crisp, multi hops brewed at the heart of a glacier in forged silver steel can to hold in that frosty mountain cold. Beardweiser, beer so dwarven, it wears armor. Lads, I'm scared. Beardweiser, it's beer for miners. Hey, all you cuties. One man's trash is another man's mid-roll. We hope you're enjoying this dream chapter of LUQ Battle Axis. It was a lot of fun to run it, and it felt really nice to get back into the DMing seat, just for a little bit. And what a treat to run for this group. If you are enjoying it and you haven't found a way to say it, here are some ideas. Give us a shout-out on social media. We love to see that kind of interaction. Leave us a review. Or, most importantly, go to Patreon to see all the rewards available for fans of the show. We've gotten a few new ones recently, and it really brought us joy, so thank you all. The top tiers can make characters to join the battle axis in the world's meta, or you can get mentioned by name during the mid-roll with your legendary team. The current legendary teams are the Titans Rise, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Twilight Concord, with Maisie, Mike Gordon, Big Boy Roy, and our newest legend, Caitlin Oliver. To get a personal message read out on the show, or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for Monday Night Live premieres of the LUQ hosted by Mistress Dana. We just started a new Pokemon base stat total souling Nuzlocke on Thursdays, and pen pals in the near future. And if you've been waiting to mail us something but are aware that we had a P.O. Box issue for a while, for the time being, if you want to send something to Slapdash Studios, use 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214. And if you're on the Discord, let us know to keep our eye out. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the Batboxes. Welcome back to Minotaur Creamery, where the best milk is made by happy, sentient, consenting employees. Our Minotaurs can produce up to 12 gallons a day of the richest, most nutritious milk your body can tolerate. 
but we couldn't stop there, so now we're introducing new products to the line. They may be metal, but we'll still milk them. New Gorgonzola, smoky tangy cheese with ribbons of metallic blue, perfect for charcuterie or a shameful midnight snack. The bigger the better. Try our new Oraki Road ice cream. We're gonna need a bigger barn. And don't forget our new favorite, Centaur yogurt. Now you may be thinking those ain't cows, but I'm here to tell you it is the best yogurt you'll ever have. They're half human and half horse, and we ain't gonna tell you which half we're milking, but you'll thank us all the same. And now you can sign up for our new door-to-door -door Minotaur milk delivery service. Uh, hello? Have a nice day. Thank you. Minotaur Creamery. We put the dairy in legendary. As the giant page begins to turn, new words appear. Blades and magic clashed. The combat was fierce, both sides driven with purpose. Bang! Slash! Wham! Would they save their friend in time? Time and blood would tell. As the heavy page descends downward, I need everyone on the battlefield to roll me a dexterity saving throw. Do I use my constitution for you this? You do! <laughs> 26, unless there is uh, some penalty imposed on for being inside of a tiny cabin. Now, being inside of the cabin means you automatically fail, but it also means what you're trying to avoid does not affect you. All right. 18. Pen is way too transfixed on the vampiric couch and gets a 7. <laughs> Hal has a 16 with my constitution. Okay. So it sounds like only Pentecost is affected, being distracted by the giant evil couch. He's not evil. As the page lands, the impact of it is great, and you must prepare yourself to remain upright and not be smashed down flat and prone. Pentecos is knocked prone, as are three of the tall tails. Gaspar, the roof of your tiny log cabin has been caved in. You're now surrounded by broken logs. But the impact of the page does not affect you. And as the page turns and you draw closer to the end of the story, you hear a very happy voice echoing out from where the reader would be. Yes, that's it. You're doing a great job. I'm doing my best to aid you. And you now have five more points of linguistic manipulation. Nice. That being the enemy's turn brings us to Hal. Hal, at the beginning of your turn, you land, now existing again in a non-foggy state. Excellent. I would like to, on my turn, change my polearm master feet mm. into a polearm caster feet. Ah. And use my bonus action to cast Spiritual Weapon. I like it. If I may. <laughs> you may indeed. And we're going to give that a 2D. Or actually, it'll just do the same damage as your halberd. Okay. All right. <laughs> I will now roll to attack with my Spiritual Bone Halberd using my Constitution because of my rule. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Which fortunately is the same as my strength, so this is actually unchanged. Well, isn't that convenient? 13 to hit with that. That misses. Okay. I will now charge and attack them with my sword. 
Ooh, okay. <laughs> Are you attacking the same one? Not that it matters. You missed, but yeah, I'll just I'll just attack the same one, uh, and I will attack recklessly. Just... Okay. Can I rewrite the number on the die? Nope. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> a bold move. <laughs> does a fourteen hit the script keeper? It does not with their mage armor. Gosh darn it! I miss both attacks. Oh no! Yeah, very bad. It is. Drop the N off a 13 and turn it into a 30. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Save that for damage. <laughs> and that makes it Gaspar's turn. Right next to Gaspar's uncanny convertible lodge <laughs> is a storyline. The combat was fierce. Both sides driven with purpose. Yes. I would like to, if possible, move, use my cunning action to hide between the lines. <laughs> Holy shit. I like, I like that a lot. I'm going to have you make me a stealth check using intelligence instead of dexterity. Ooh. <laughs> so good. You still have expertise, though. Yeah, yeah. All right. I thought you were going to say with porpoise. Uh, me too. <laughs> I got really excited. Uh, that is an 18. You're lost in the fine print. <laughs> he means fine print. While there, I am then going to strike at one of these tall tails. Is the one that I've hexed dead, or is that just prone? It is prone. Okay, okay. Um, so from hidden between the lines, I'm going to stab at its telltale heart. Ah, <laughs> its tall tail heart? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Let's see it. You have advantage because he's prone. Um, that is 24 to hit. Super yes, indeed. I get to re-roll that one. Cool. So that's 10, 20. That is 26 points of damage plus three necrotic. Now, with that sneak attack done, I'm going to summon Nepeth. But if I may use the, the daughter's linguistic manipulation to do a, a homograph or a homophone, Mm-hmm. Can I, instead of whales of the grave? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Don't tease me with fish again. <laughs> I would like to use whales. Whales. From the grave. Who is Nepet targeting in your initial plan? <laughs> Since they're still within 30 feet, I am targeting one of these script keepers with a pair of scissors on the other side of the page. Ah, uh, yes. The one adjacent to Halifon. Yes. So, Nepet begins to form from the word's blood that rise up into the air, and then he keeps growing and widening, <laughs> a huge baleen mouth opening, fins <laughs> slapping down. I need Halifon and the two script keepers <laughs> to roll me a dexterity saving throw as a giant blood red whale slams down into the corresponding page. It is a tragedy. I was not here to play this particular <laughs> fucking fight. That's all right. I'm thinking about using Divine Sense into Divine Sensei so that you can give us suggestions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is Zach within 60 feet of me? Yes. <laughs> Sensei? <laughs> uh, my deck save with my constitution yes. is 14. That's good. That's good. Um, the script keepers, one of them rolled okay. The other one rolled horrible. Um, so 
Halifon, you take 15 bludgeoning damage. Okay. One okay. of them takes 15. The other one, the target of the whale, takes 30 bludgeoning <laughs> damage and is flattened down to nothing. Blubbering damage. <laughs> he, he's blubbering, all right. Nepit pops back into his normal self, confused, and then vanishes. And that makes it Wusha's turn. Oh, me. I've got a foot with that script keeper's name on it. Uh, I'm going to use my attack action to uh, kick axe the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. That is a 12 versus his AC. That's a big miss. All right. And let's see with the foot coming down. Much better. That is going to be a 23 versus his AC. Oh, yeah. Mage Armor's not stopping that one. Wusha's not quite used to how the foot works, so kicking up real high is always dangerous. The one that you're kicking at is one of the Shears ones, and it's going to use a reaction to attempt to snip off some of your roll. Okay. It's not enough. All right. Your 23, was it? Yeah. Goes down to a 20, which still hits. Oh, no. <laughs> he tried. He has a reaction. I just want him to use some of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we're looking at 17 base damage mm. plus eight fire damage for, what is that, 25 damage to him? He is in smolders. All that's left is a pair of scissors laying on the ground, which slowly begins to melt into ink. Perfect. You have obliterated his bungus. Perfect. And I'm not quite done yet. Wuxia, with little regard to his own physical safety, is going to run over toward Pen and try to help her in the future. As you're making this valiant dash, you feel like you're a child in a gymnasium dodging jump ropes as these long lashing tails try to attack of opportunity you as you run through. One of which scores a crit, the other one misses. Can I use my reaction and one point of the daughter's linguistic manipulation to cast absorb elements and I want to absorb the element of danger? Homophone... If that's too much of a stretch, I understand. I like the idea, and I like the use of homophones more and more. That's going to put the group with uh, five left, but because you are not caught off guard from behind by the element of danger in provoking an attack, it's not a crit. It's just a normal hit. Sweet. Still a fucking good roll, though. Not going to lie. Twelve slashing damage. Ouch. When Wusha gets over there with the big cut on his back, he's going to pant. <sighs> and use second wind. Nice. You are now adjacent to an injured script keeper and a giant hungry couch. (laughs) Awesome. I'm going to need this seven health that I just gained. And with that, my turn is over. It came from the chair into seating it must become. (laughs) From chair to chair, from seat to seat, ass to ass. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes it Pentecost's turn. I believe I have to stand up. That's true. And also at the beginning of your turn, the couch is going to attempt to eat this little skull man, (laughs) as was its intended mission. You've got it, little buddy. Uh, First bite misses. Second bite is uh, 17. That hits. Okay. Chompadoo. Not dead, but badly broken. His quill is like (laughs) snapped to one side. His robes are in ribbons. He's had a bad, bad couch day. Pentecost gets back up on her feet, seeing that one of these script keepers is still next to her. I'm going to attack him with Zillos. 
12. That's it. That's a miss. Man, we're not rolling super hot. Well, luckily I get another try. 26. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very much so. It's too bad you can't average out the two. They both would have hit. Yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> 11 points. So this little skull man pulls his face out of the cushions once more, dusts himself off and looks up right as his head is bisected from his shoulders. <laughs> and his large cartoonish skull falls to the ground with the sound of a clattering coconut. <laughs> can I hold on to his head? Yes, of course you can. You have it balanced on the end of Zillow's. I know someone who might like you. Gaspar have a cartoon head? <gasps> <laughs> oh, you no. get to decide how that would work. Oh. Wowzers. Oh. <laughs> and I believe that makes it the enemy's turn. There is only one script keeper left, and he is very close to Hal and still shaken from being landed on by a giant blood whale. <laughs> so he is going to make a whistle by placing his two bony fingers into his mouth. And despite the fact that he has no lips or tongue, a very shrill whistle echoes out. The tall tails that are prone stand up. The tall tails are going to make a slash and then scamper away having been controlled to retreat. The only one that those three can target is Gaspar, but he is hidden in the line of a book still. And they're going to have to make a perception check to be aware of him. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yes. So two of them sniff around and then take off running back into the crease between the pages, and the other one spies something strange between the lines, begins to root around at it with his giant claw. Does a 25 hit your armor class? That it does. Who'd have thunk? 11 slashing damage. I will regularly uncanny dodge it then. Regularly. Um, you also get an attack of opportunity as it uses its last 20 feet of movement to scamper into the crevasse. And the last script keeper is going to attempt to write a rule at Hal. Okay. Hoping it's going to be the kind that will save his ass. Okay. Which one shall it be? Seven. Oh, uh, actually, no, that's classless. The word classless appears. Uh, you cannot use anything that is listed as a class feature. And if one is already active, it ends. Your rage ends. Oh, okay. Mustering as much courage as he can, he's going to step up to you and attempt to bury the tip of his quill pen into your bare, glistening chest. All right. A crit. Oh! Hey. <laughs> courage pays off for Tiny Skull Boy. Ooh, that's not great because I'm not raging anymore. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh, 19 slashing damage. That does not Woo! feel stupendous. Just imagine this little friggin' scissor-wielding dork dealing 19 damage to a barbarian paladin. Right. <laughs> he draws a third nipple on your chest. Ugh. <laughs> and then cuts And it hurts. <laughs> and he twists it. <laughs> oh, it is the nerpalist of purples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end of the enemy's turn. They have uh, scattered three pages to the wind. Okay. That makes a hell's turn. All right. Well, polearm caster was not a class ability, so with my bonus action, I attack him with my spiritual weapon. Yes, of course. Uh, 18 to hit. Yes, very much. Great. 11 points of damage. 11. That's not enough to kill him despite his whale wounds. And then I use my chivalric edge with my main action to attack him with my sword. 15? Yes, that's their AC. Ah! Hey! <laughs> Swinging the chivalric edge, it 
It glows with light as I act in keeping with my oath. And I deal an additional 15 points of damage. Dead. Okay. Absolutely unmade. As this enemy falls, the page flips once more, more gently now that the combat has ended, something you can prepare for, not have to be on the defensive. And it reads, The battle was over. The heroes had found the final page of the book. But this chapter was not the finale. The story was not finished. They were not ready for what came next, but their friend felt sorrow for the pain it would cause them. And with that, the book unmakes itself. The cover curls up and decays like a dying insect. The pages fall like autumn leaves, taking you with them, downward. Downward into the void at the center of Iavos Isadora's broken mind. They've reached the center of the dream, Sensei. Not long now, I suspect. Very good. We are also attempting to locate Farrakh Sunderholm. His trail is cold. He appears to have vanished not long after he murdered Amavazia. Which is absurd. Even he isn't powerful enough to overcome our conjuration dampeners. I would not concern yourself with Master Sunderholm. I'm sorry? He is not a priority. Besides... He was only acting in accordance with his nature, as I predicted he would. Sensei, are you suggesting that you knew he would do this to Iavos? He did not do anything to Iavos that Iavos did not want done. Amavazia's zeal in carrying out his duty got him killed. After all, a cornered animal will strike. You didn't answer my question. I was not aware that you were in a position to question me. I'm... I'm sorry, Sensei. Forgive my... Presumptuousness. There is nothing to forgive. After all, you were correct. I anticipated Sadaholm would eventually overstep and give Yavos exactly what he wanted. And so I planned for it. But what happens if the Fallow Crown fails to save him? I have contingencies for either inevitability. But at the risk of sounding sentimental, I have faith in our friends. that around if you want we'll make that part of the all right now that we're in the outro zach what was the one that was just killing you that you couldn't tell us god i would turn bang into bank and then get some free points or fucking quinn actually i would have used bank to get free uh inspiration for everyone Mm, Mm -hmm. that's fair Mm -hmm. i thought about divine wealth instead of divine health that's very good yeah if uh, if there were any really large enemies, I was going to use a homophone to use Colossus Slayer and like ride them around places. I uh, S L E I G H. <laughs> it really wouldn't have been a big upgrade, but I was tempted to turn Blinding Smite into Blinding Smile. <laughs> oh, that's really cute, Chip Skylark. <laughs> uh, let's go around the table and talk about our uh, favorite moments. Oh man. Law handing us the card that said we got to do the linguistic manipulation because that was just mm-hmm. a flurry of bad and good <laughs> ideas. Right. That was chaos. Yeah. In the same vein, I have to go with Vampiric Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So fucking good. Vampiric Couch, Uncanny Lodge, and, and 
and Whale of the Grave were all <laughs> just e- everything top-tier. that exited Angelo's mouth was fucking perfect. <laughs> I was a big fan of accidentally spelling matter wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Accidental Mater. Mater was so fresh. Oh, the freshest Mater. Oh, I'm bad at spelling. I didn't realize that. (laughs) I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. (laughs) I was trying to figure out if if the for the spelling changes, if that had to be something Hal was actually smart enough to to like do. (laughs) Fair. Yep. I thought about trying to turn the tall tales into tall fails, but I was like, I don't I don't know if Hal's smart enough to make that jump. That's also, that'd be a rhyming one, right? Yeah, that'd be a rhyming one since it's a two-pointer. Yep, that's true. But, I mean, you have a bunch of experienced D&D players. I wanted to just hand you some mechanics that are unlike anything yeah. you've fucked with. Right? Unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this does feel like magic unglued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Anything can happen in storybook world. <laughs> uh, another one that I was tempted to use was Fairy Fine. But mm. I... Um, <laughs> You know, they don't really need a parking ticket. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing is these illustrations of the characters. They're so good. So like, fantastic. They're so cute. Fucking precious. You, you can all keep your version. Uh, thank you again, Marshall, for helping me print them with your high-tech laser machine. Thanks, Marshall. And that is a shout-out to Marshall Lee. Short. Marshall Short. Marshall Short. Printable Heroes. That's it. Printable Marshall Heroes. Marshall Lee is from Adventure Design. That's true. It <laughs> is. It is. Uh, gosh, I, I reached into my head and didn't grab the right thing. <laughs> Reach into your head and found Donald Glover. That's okay. Most of us do. I feel like Marshall Short would do a pretty good Marshall Lee cosplay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I yeah. For that. yeah, totally. I just want to say, Law, this is some fucking devastatingly brilliant fucking storytelling right here. I love so it. So good. Uh, Wacky fun. I will definitely upload the artwork for the miniatures and the enemies and their stat blocks. All to Patreon. Patreon rewards. Yeah, baby. Um, and on that note, I want to say I know Law does a fantastic job of kind of supporting this stuff, but we could really use more Patreon subscribers. Uh, I know you guys probably think that we're ridiculously famous, successful, wealthy podcasters, but <laughs> we live and die on your guys' Patreon subscriptions. We don't really get a lot of advertising money, so do us that fave and sub. Even a dollar makes a lot of difference. If every single one of these listeners, every person hearing this right now, gave us one dollar, it would be enough that Law and I could take a paycheck, and I wouldn't have to worry about the fact that I'm about to lose my job. So... If, even just for a month or two, just to see if it works. Like, yeah. let us see the numbers. Conversely, if there is one person with $4,000. <laughs> there's, there's a million out there, a millionaire out there who could drop me 10 grand. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that the boys would create a new Patreon tier for, for you specifically if you're willing to pledge $4,000 plus a month. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'll, I'll send you hoof pics for that, for that tier. The only description at the bottom is just fucking try it. Just give it a shot. <laughs> What do you have to lose? I don't even get anything out of the Patreon and I would give them stuff if that's what they busted it out for. Surprise benefits. Thank you, Sam, for editing this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, we wish you luck. (laughs) 